means one-third. But now, in the Revelation passage, it says, And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven, referring to the great dragon. Whereas in the Daniel passage, on the same prophecy, it says, And caused some of the host and some of the stars to fall to earth. Interesting. I'll let you make whatever you wish of that comparison, but I just thought I'd point it out. Now, the third trumpet. Verses 8 to 10 to 11. Fresh water. The third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. The name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. With the third trumpet, things get a a bit sticky. The word translated Star is the Greek astir, A-S-T-E-R, which is used 28 times throughout the New Testament, with only five of which, five out of 28, clearly referring to, a, to literal stars in the heaven. In the first chapter of Revelation, Christ is described by John in part as, quote, in his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength, Revelation 1.16. Christ himself explains in verse 20, quote, as for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. The evidence would show that just as in our understanding of the stars of the sky falling to the earth like unripe figs in 6.13, we must be careful not to press our preferred literal approach to the extreme. The Greek astir is repeatedly used in a metaphorical sense in the New Testament. including the Revelation. Many interpreters prefer to read here an apostate falling out of the church to poison the waters of the gospel. Very common interpretation of this. But I don't think we need to subscribe to that. The first four trumpets are being inflicted, at least to start, on the natural world. There are some effects of them that are harmful to mankind, but the judgments are inflicted upon the natural world. And the effect of this star plummeting to earth seems to suggest something like a mineral that contaminates the fresh water on a third of the earth's fresh water, rivers, underwater, under uh, streams, and underground springs. As with the second trumpet, this star could very well be a fiery, burning like a torch, it says, meteoroid, 
yet smaller than a mountain that poisons the waters to the extent that people die. So it would make sense that, be, that there would be some element in this object that would poison the water. The prophet Jeremiah relays the Lord God's judgment on idolatrous Judah. And I see this as the now to not yet of our passage in Revelation. Please turn to Jeremiah with me. Jeremiah chapter 9. This, this is not foretelling necessarily what we are re- the events we're reading about in Revelation. This is a different prophecy. But it's a now, not yet, which happens all the time in God's Word. Jeremiah 9, let's begin with verse 13. The Lord said, Because they have forsaken my law which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, nor walked according to it, but have walked after the stubbornness of their heart, and after the Baals, as their fathers taught them. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed them, this people, with wormwood, and give them poisoned water to drink. I will scatter them among the nations, whom neither they nor their fathers have known, and I will send the sword after them until I have annihilated them. The term wormwood is fairly common in the Bible, at least ten occurrences, both Old Testament and New Testament. Literally, it's the name for the herb Artemisia absinthium. Notice how I did that. that? Well, it's Latin and not Greek. It's known for its intense bitterness. In case you're wondering, yeah, back in the turn of the 18th or 19th century there was a popular drink and especially in France absinthe it was green came from this herb or maybe you don't deal in such things like some people the Greeks called it absintheon which means undrinkable More often than not in the Bible, the term wormwood is used symbolically to refer to a terrible bitterness of spirit, affliction, or suffering. Thus here, the object that rockets to earth is called, capital W, wormwood. And what it inflicts on the earth through the fresh water supply is wormwood, bitterness, we might conclude that the star delivers a particularly lethal strain of absinthium since the text states that, quote, many men died from the waters, end quote. In most instances, the effects of consuming beverages made from the herb, the earthly herb, are unpleasant, but not generally fatal. But the waters poisoned by this star here will be, many men will die. Fourth trumpet. 
Revelation 8:12, celestial objects. The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars were struck, so that a third of them would be darkened, and the day would not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. J.B. Smith writes, It is of considerable interest to note the progress. One-third of the green trees and grass, one-third of marine life and shipping, one-third of the waters, and one-third of the heavenly bodies. Food is destroyed. Distribution is crippled. Water supply is limited. Production is hampered. That's J.B. Smith. I assume that lasts from lack of sunlight. Things aren't going to grow if there isn't enough sun. Few natural things speak to the power and grandeur of God for earthlings than the glories of the heavens. Be it the ark of the Milky Way or the sun setting in the west, there's no more praiseworthy event for me than to step out onto our west lawn with the sun setting across the distant hills and the sky is ablaze in orange and pink and it's amazing. And the first thought that comes to mind is there's the glory of God. He uses the heavens to establish his glory. This is not just the perspective of lowly earth dwellers, but God has designed this universe to evoke such a response. Turn please to Psalm, Psalm 19. Familiar passage, but consider it in light of our passage where he is dimming these lights. Psalm 19, verses 1 to 6. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterance to the end of the earth end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as the bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices in the strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens, and its serving to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. So God establishes that he makes it clear that he's Put these up there to bring glory to him, for us to see that glory. Yet, as we see here, part of God's judgment on man is to dim this splendor. To remove some of those things that most handily pronounce his majestic glory. The darkness that results is the measure of his wrath. The prophet Isaiah foresaw this moment. He wrote of it in Isaiah 13, 9-11. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel, with fury and burning anger, to make the land a desolation. And He will exterminate its sinners from it. 
For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shed its light. Thus I will punish the world for its evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. I will also put an end to the arrogance of the proud and abase the haughtiness of the ruthless. The Greek here is interesting. The word a plague or a pledge, E-P-L-E-G-E, I'm not sure which is the right pronunciation, comes from pleso, which means to strike so as to flatten. Remember our text says... And a third of the stars were struck. That word struck is what we're talking about. Pleso. It's from the word pleso, which means to strike so as to flatten, much like a blacksmith repeatedly hammers hot metal to to reshape it or flatten it. So it's like God the blacksmith is towering over his heavens and he's smashing these Celestial objects. It's not clear from the text precisely what will be God's method of dimming these celestial objects. Another portion where it's not really clear. I mean, it says one-third. Okay, one-third. But how do you do that? Will he reduce their lumens by a third? As we would dim the lights in a room, just lower the light level a little bit? Or will he just turn them off earlier than usual? I think that was the point you were making, Dave. The sun might set earlier. We were talking about another thing. That you just have less light because the sun goes away earlier. Same with the moon. Will he throw into place obscuring objects, a partial eclipse of the sun and moon with accompanying layers of clouds or pollution to reduce visible stars at night? It's not clear. But somehow, in some way, we're going to have one-third less than what we had before. Sun, moon, stars. Whatever his means... This reduction of light could have a devastating effect on the earth, affecting crops and certainly causing problems for those relying on solar panels on their roof. Note that as God's judgments, whether on the natural world or on mankind itself, as they move from one quarter to one third to eventually far more, note that we're not told that any of them are reversed. Seawater that has been turned to blood remains blood. Fresh water that has been poisoned remains undrinkable. Light that sustains life on this earth that has been either dimmed or turned off early each day will become the new norm. As politicians are wont to say, the new normal. This is how it will be from then on, at least through the tribulation. Certainly not in the millennium or the eternal period, but certainly during the tribulation. 
things, things are not replaced. Each new judgment will not replace previous judgments, but will be added to them. So, if it says we lose a quarter over here, and now we lose a third, well, I'm not a mat- mathematician, but that's getting dangerously close to a lot. That that's equals a lot. That's my wife's department, not mine. I'm the dreamer. She's the logical one. So conditions on earth will steadily get worse and worse, darker and yet even darker. By the last half of the tribulation life, where it exists at all, will be intolerable. I close with this from the prophet Amos. Amos 5, 18 to 20. Alas, you who are longing for the day of the Lord. For what purpose will the day of the Lord be to you? It will be darkness and not light. As when a man flees from a lion and a bear meets him. Or goes home, leans his hand against the wall and a snake bites him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness instead of light? Even gloom with no brightness in it? We close on that cheerful note. Got just a couple of minutes. Any thoughts or questions? Greg? Yes, absolutely. There's not a thing there that we, just because we in our natural minds can't figure out how God can do this, that just means nothing. And that's why I, I'm in agreement with you. That's why I said, what was it, that one point where people said, well, it's, it's either this or that. And my, I, my conclusion, we don't know. We can't say. And just on that, just a moment. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about the eagle speaking in the sky. Well, and I, I, one commentator said, well, of course, this is metaphorical. I thought, excuse me? You're telling me God can't, didn't, hasn't he made other animals speak? Duh. What do you say? Just write it off like that. No, I'm not, I wouldn't be at all surprised that God can make an eagle speak. Okay.
when we were reading a moment ago, reminded me of Romans um, in chapter 1, where in verse 21, although they knew God, they did not honor him in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Verse 25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So just to, I mean, the last two weeks, what this has reminded me is that God is using the very thing that people have turned to worship. And he is He is pouring his wrath out on creation and, and just how merciful and, and long-suffering is with people and, and how he is destroying what they have come to worship. And what they see is, quote-unquote, the universe and its power and Mother Nature and her power. And he's just, he's hitting, once again, he's just being merciful, I guess. Good point, good point. Let's put Mother Nature in quotes, okay? We had talked about, uh, maybe I misunderstood, but I believe the one-third everything involved the whole earth because it seems like all the one-third for the rest of them. I think at the beginning we wondered if it was just the Mediterranean Sea. I, since the other one-third was the whole, all the whole earth, the whole grass and the earth, I would say it was one-third of uh, all the seas, the ocean. That's my thoughts. Well, that's, that's was the, I think that was the point where I said we really can't say conclusively. So. The other thing is, you know, we talk about God's wrath. It's his right, righteous judgment. Um, it's not like the wrath of us. Or which, which is t- more like temper. Yeah, right. It's, it's his righteous judgment, appropriate mm-hmm. judgment. It talks about, you know, the uh, martyrs. That he said, how long, O Lord, before you judge, before you... And then later on it says, and the nations were enraged, and your wrath came, and the time came for the dead to be judged, and the time to reward your bondservants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, the small, the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. So God's righteous, whether people like it or not, he's a loving God, but he's also a righteous judge. And uh, if they don't repent and come to Jesus Christ to receive him as a Lord and Savior, they're deep due to trouble. And let's include the word holy in that. He's righteous, but he's holy. And at, one, at some point in the future, he's going to say, I am so holy, I can't take it anymore. The, the sin on earth, that's it. No more. We need, to, we need to close. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Help us to digest it by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.